Ladies and gentlemen, the commercials. You know, Ken, every week we try to come up with something that we throw into this spot. Right, like a teaser, if you will. A teaser, a cold open, however you want to call it. Sometimes it's really, really, really hard. And sometimes it's really, really, really easy. And sometimes it's so easy that it becomes difficult. Exactly. And I think that would make a great song. That's right. I think it might go something a little like this. Something so easy, why are you so hard to do? I wish I had an ounce of something. An ounce of farm fresh poo. <laughs> this is not working. <laughs> commercial. The commercial. The commercial. Commercials. 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 The commercials. 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 Commercial. 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 From Studio 6C in the mean streets of Brooklyn, New York, this is the Commercials Free Podcast of the Commercials.tv and the magic of iTunes. My name is Dave Dave Koenig. And I am Ken Pond. And we are here with another great episode of our little podcast. Ken, how you doing? Good, Dave. How you doing? I'm doing just fine, Ken. Thanks very much. Oh, you're welcome, Dave. You're welcome (laughs) in the most radio announcer way possible. You betcha. We got a great show coming up. We got a very special guest, a guy named Ed Lane, who will be... Uh, or he is a cast member of the upcoming uh, Two Gentlemen of Lebowski. Yeah, gonna... It is a comedic uh, Shakespeare play that uh, they changed the name to be created, but it's done uh, in uh, a Shakespearean style. That's right. It's very popular, all sold out. Very interesting stuff. And uh, we're going to find out more details about it. I was trying to come up with a way to describe it. You know, it's like it is a play, but it's also it's sort of a phenomenon because it's like the hottest ticket in town. And you may have tried. But you failed. I failed miserably. That yeah. is correct, Ken. I appreciate the uh, clarification of that and uh, making me feel awesome at the beginning of the show. Yeah, makes I me just want awesome. I just want to put your flub out there. Put it out there. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, I think it, it's already out there. Make it obvious to the world it's that I have out. screwed up. You're not a perfect person. I'm not. You know, I'm but not Dave, perfect. But Dave, you know what no, they I'm not. say about a pound of cure? What's that? Go ahead. I'm listening, Ken. Tell an me, ounce, what, what do they say about a pound of cure, Ken? An ounce of farm fresh poo. That's true. I've heard it's that. worth <laughs> a pound of cure. That is how the saying goes, as far as I know. But I'm not perfect. No, I'm not. But I got what I got. Well, I'll say one thing. Yeah. This is a superstitious episode. You know why? Why is that, Ken? Because it's our 13th episode. It is our 13th episode, which could mean that things are fraught with danger. And possibly some intrigue. Dave, I'm scared. Ken, don't be scared. It's just a number. But look to the future. Because tomorrow is a new day. And in that new day, you'll find an ounce of something, Ken. Of farm fresh poo. That is correct, Ken. You know, it's funny you should play a song... Hey, segues uh, expertly. Because yes. uh, you and I were talking before we started the show about various uh, songwriters slash performers that, that we, we admire. admire. Yes, that absolutely, that we admire. Yeah. Um, and we were talking, you know, people who have had tremendous success, but also have had their share of 
uh, critics and, and critics. misfortune and detractors and and stuff like that. Uh, one of the guys we were talking about was Sting. That's right. That's right. Sting. Sting's career is uh, to me interesting in that in the beginning, whether it was with the police or his earliest solo work, he was incredible and great. And then at a certain point, he fell off a cliff and ceased to be good. Yeah, you know, that's what a lot of people say. I happen to be a sucker for him. Because it's weird. Most musicians will either hate Sting completely Mm -hmm. or love him no matter what he does. Like, musicians are very forgiving of Sting. And the fact that he's an asshole. Listeners, (laughs) per per, per chance, I mean, one of the, the reasons people don't like him, but, you know, that his music has gotten kind of watery. But uh, most people, that's how most people feel, I found, is they just don't like him anymore. Well, like, I, yeah, I mean, he... Past he, a certain point. And I could see why. Um, and I think we were talking about this. His last great piece was was uh, The Soul Cages. Right. You were talking about that. And you, you, you happen to feel a great amount of connection with that whole CD. Oh, it's amazing. It's the one he um it's the one he wrote when his father died. Which 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 does, you know, yeah. give it a great deal of depth. This is the one that has all this time and uh uh you know, given the fact that it is a Sting CD, it didn't you know, it didn't have a lot of uh big time radio hits. You know, no, you had didn't. all this time and uh the Soul Cages I heard a few times. But, well, why should I cry for you? Is uh, is a uh, really great song. Mm. Um, it was on the radio a little bit. In I'm fact, sure it was. back to when I was, used to listen to you at the on the radio in Hofstra, you you actually played that song one time. You know, you told me that before, and I have no recollection whatsoever. Yeah, you dedicated it to Jessica Meyerson. Are you kidding? Yeah, or I must either have been she requests. Request. Yeah. Okay, by yeah, request. because I don't think I. But gave if out I can give you a little. Just a little benefit. flavor of what yeah, that song so is, because I don't even remember it. It was released as a single, but it didn't really chart. It was something like this, and it's hard kind of to do it on the piano, but it's... Under the dark star sail Oh, okay. Under the reefs of moonshine You know, why should I, why should I cry for you? Well, I'm going to go back and try to listen to that song. Yes, yeah, you know, song. I mean, at that point, I was still with Sting. I still, I was like, I'm, I'm still with you, my man. Then that means you do acknowledge the Soul Cages as his last great work. I, I do enjoy the work on that. I'm not a big fan of the Soul Cages, that song itself, but okay. you know, I can dig, you know, that point. He went that from that to Ten Summoners Tales. Yeah, and it's like he decided eh, being good and having. Uh, Songs out there that uh, are of the quality that I was used to, that's gotten boring. I'm going to put out stuff that kind of sucks. Yeah, but you know what he did? He seems to have a habit of is it appears as if he's like, like for instance, with uh, If I Ever Lose My Faith in You. Yeah. yeah. If I Ever Lose My Faith in You. <sighs> you know, not as great a song. And I think he acknowledges that and was like, look, if I'm going to make some money, i got to put a couple of zingers in there. I guess but so. But the rest of the CD is very, very uh, layered and, and deep. And I think you mentioned before you don't like Heavy Clouds but No Rain. No, I don't like that song That is all. more a musician's song because it's so jazzy and there's so much going on and it's so jazzily complex 
that it's hard. It's not an easy listen. You I, know? I understand that. Thinking, it's like but the it Thomas Mann do for me. It's 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 like the Thomas Mann of of musicianry, where it's like, oh my god, this is so hard to get through, but it's beautiful. Well, I'm you know? sure you're right. I mean, like um, like reading reading uh, uh, Ulysses by James Joyce. You know, I'm sure. You know, on a on a intellectual level, I'm like, yeah, that's probably an an an, an amazingly in depth. Uh, uh, it's very difficult to get through. It's it's challenging. It's it's it's. But it doesn't make provoking. your toes tap, and that's but, what yeah, that's what matters. And, but I'm not even the kind who's like, yeah, it's I, it's got to be on top forty, and it's got to be really good and be universally right. acceptable. It just does not at all appeal to me. Right. Yeah. And this is like the the beginning of the end as far as my enjoyment of his music because uh-huh. there's some stuff on here that's. De- I mean, it's probably me is one of the songs that a lot of people know about because it was used in I think Lethal Weapon Four. Um, oh. And and Eric Clapton was involved in it, which and you yeah. know Eric Clapton at the time, you know, I, I was still digging what he was doing. He hasn't done a lot that I've listened to in a long time, even though he's still pretty prolific. But from there, I mean, ignoring the fact that he spent a lot of time with Rod Stewart and Brian Adams making stuff that makes you want to jump off a building, um, like Mercury falling would I, be the follow up. I absolutely. When I first got that CD, it collected dust because I listened to it once. I'm like, that sucks. But then literally like a year later, I started listening to it again. And I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. It, you know, there might be some of the deeper cuts that might appeal to me. But the the ones that are supposed to draw you in had like, me running the other way. This let is Let your CD. soul be your pilot. Come on. That song sucks. And Come you're on. right. You're right. That song sucks. And the one that really, and we this is the debate we had before. This is maybe the uh, crux of our argument before is that on this CD is I'm so happy I can't stop crying. That's right. Which makes me want to punch someone in the face. Well, well you know, he, I, I, I think I told you this before. He's really, make, he's really parodying a, a, the the happy slappy musical form when he's doing that, it's not like he's he he was like uh, operating on all thrusters in full intellectual musician mode. He was having some fun, you know. Fine, I I get that, mm-hmm. but the, you know, it's like when you create a character in a TV show that's designed to be annoying, <laughs> and it they do such a, an effective job that you makes you want to turn your television off. I gotcha. That's what's wrong for me with that. That's it's like, what's wrong with Sting. He's too good. No, no, absolutely know, not. I'm no, no, no. He, he may if, if if he was setting out to make an annoying song, he succeeded to well, the listen, point of failure. He talks. He talks about breaking up with his wife. Uh huh. You know, and he talks about you know, and it's dark. Mm-hmm. And he says, he says, uh, she called to ask me to see how I was doing. You know, I was worried about you. I wonder how you've been feeling. He says, oh, I'm so happy I can't stop crying. Yeah. And, but then the song takes a turn. And he's like, you know, I was walking alone one night. I was looking up at the stars. And I was trying to find some kind of answer in my life. And I looked up at the stars and I chose a star for him. I chose a star for me. I chose a star for my, you know, wife and two stars for my kids. And I wondered about the universe and how everything is connected. And then the attitude of the song changed. And it says, the park is full of Sunday fathers and and melted ice cream. What can a father do but babysit sometimes when things don't work out? And I think that is gorgeous. I think that takes it away from the, I'm so happy that I can't stop crying. You know, he realized what he was doing because 
in in the in the feel in the realm of that song, people are coming up to cupping up to him and saying, "Hey, man, how you doing? I heard about your loss, blah blah blah." You know, and lawyers and stuff. And he's like, "Oh, I'm so happy. I, you know, basically putting a front out there. Like I'm miserable, but, the but I'm happy." The and musically, he's doing that as well. Well, and I think this is where you and I kind of uh, take divergent paths, so to speak, because you you have much more musical knowledge and skill and experience than I do. Uh-huh. I'm looking at it as a very naive, uh, uninformed listener. Well, let me ask you this. How many songs do you know that start out with like, uh, you know, like let's look at typical blues, like, you know. My baby left me, she left me so bad. And the whole song is like, yeah. She left me rotting by the seaweed bond, you know, and that's the whole song. And it's like, the only thing I can do is hope I kill her one day. She stole my gun. Come on, baby. It's time to not play. That's what happens when you make up a song as you go along. But have you ever heard one of those songs where halfway through it's like, You know, now that I think about it, it ain't quite so bad. I got a little bit of money and I I started to fad. I think, you know, have you ever heard the blues guy stop in the middle and be like, you know, well, fuck it. Yeah, this is life. This is what happens. You know, that's that's fine. I mean, I I can't necessarily think of another song, but it may be out there. But you know what? I'm more... I, I am I am I am infinitely more interested in hearing the rest of that song that you just started singing <laughs> than anything Sting has done in the last ten years. Now, con- by contrast, and to, to to leave you know not on a not leave on a positive, but to, to to not just be completely negative, like Dream of the Blue Turtles, which was released in 1985, which kind of frightens right. me. That's 25 years old already. It's incredible. Yeah, heavily featuring Branford Marsalis, and I think that that's part of what. Yeah, you know, amazing stuff. Yeah, like like uh, someone once said, as far as that album is concerned, he, it's the only piece of work that can be somewhat considered smooth jazz and not be horribly shitty. Yeah, that's you a good know? point. You know, and, and, it's and not like spiral gyra. Yeah, no, yeah. it's not. I mean, you um, got if you love somebody, set them free, and that's the one that most people yeah. know. And then, and, and I don't know how well that's held up over time, but. Love is the Seventh Wave is a really, like, cool song Very to go back and listen song. to. Yeah, absolutely. There is a bigger wave yeah. than this. And Russians is a good song. Oh, I mean, Russians is... Like, based on the Prokofiev yeah. uh, tune. Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and uh, He even... Actually, it's cool. In that album, he puts in the liner notes, he literally puts, I borrowed this passage, and he writes out in notation... The actual passage. Oh, that's pretty cool. Soul. Yeah. Now, like, to, and 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 that's his first solo work. His second solo work, which is nothing like the sun. He's got one of my favorite songs. Period. Which is Englishman in New York. Ah, oh, that's good. Which song. I think is a, just a yeah. fantastic song. And he and he seemed to have really found his own voice outside of the police. Yeah. But then it all went downhill from there. Well, and, you in know, my opinion, I, I I think he's one of the he's a growing artist. Uh, I, still, honestly, I know that sounds cheesy, and it's like yeah. oh, you're such a sting <laughs> whore. But you know, just very much like Peter Gabriel is still a growing musician. It's not like Paul McCartney, where like you know the dude's like eighty years old and he's still <laughs> churning out like, oh baby, I miss you so much. I got myself in trouble by thinking again. <laughs> 
You I know? still think that's better than what Sting has done in the last 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at some of the stuff that he did with the police. I, I mean, mean my dad even said recently, he's like, yeah, Paul, I heard the new Paul McCartney album. He's like, you know, and everybody knows this song. Everybody at Junk Tonight. Everybody gonna be all right. Yeah, of course. Everybody gonna. And my dad, I was like, how's the, how's the rest of the CD? He's like, it sucks. And my dad never says anything. It sucks. <laughs> so it's bad. <laughs> it's, well, you know, it's, I, I, it's funny because so many of the great artists of the 60s yeah. died in their 20s and 30s. Right. And we never really knew what they would be like in their 50s and 60s. Like, we don't know what John Jim Morrison would have sounded like in Based his 60s. on the information that we have... About the ones who have survived, yeah, they would have sucked. It's it's hard and to it imagine is, they could have kept it up. Yeah, and it is by all means their death leads to the the acknowledgement of their brilliance because their work is limited, and if it's good and they're dead, it's not getting bad. That's true. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's 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 a funny thing to think about. I mean, even John Lennon himself. You know, we 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 don't know how good the Beatles might have been had they. Stayed together and or stayed alive, you know. They I might think. be, dude. They, if the Beatles were, everyone was still alive and the Beatles were together, I have no doubt they would be doing Vegas shows. Well, they are, sort of are now, aren't they? I think so. Well, yeah. no, I mean, well, they, I mean, they have the whole uh, Cirque du Soleil love thing out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe that's what they'd be doing. I mean, they'd be doing their reunion tours. But you know, but, it all goes down back to the, that thing. You know, it's better to burn out than to fade away, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, which is analogous to life. It's like you have your youth for a while and you have your inspiration and then you you begin down this road of growing older and your facilities are not as intact. And, you know, you lose that bite you once had as a younger person. That's that applies true. to our life as well. And it actually, actually applies to a now lot I of Now I want to kill myself. <laughs> yeah, oh no, my no. We, we have to think positively. And, and, you, and you, uh, you did a great job right there. And I'll tell you why in a second. But it's funny how that... No matter what kind of artist you are, yeah, your level of success will remove you on a constant level, in a, in a constantly growing way, from what got you there in the first place. Yeah. Like comedians have this problem all the time. Uh-huh. They hit big, so they've been working on their material for 10, 15 years, and they have really gotten all their stuff together, and they have one hour of amazing material that's based on everything they'd gone through up until that point in life. Right. And then... That one hour becomes so uh, ubiquitous that, that yeah. everybody knows it. Everybody can chant along with it, basically. Yes. They make a million dollars. They're driving now big cars, and they're living in nice places. And they have completely lost touch with the grassroots that got them to that point. So there's so many comedians out there who no longer have any way dude, of creating new material. But, dude, that happens with Everything, absolutely, and, and it was everything. A good point. Celebrities. Uh, the higher you go, the more drastically, you know, you'll you'll become just a caricature of yourself. The, absolutely, and yeah. I think I think it's a universal truth that that continues to. So you know, I push for moderate success. I think that's the way to go. So that I can either get moderately better or moderately worse. You know, we're going to take. I think I, I think the plan for us is to shoot straight for the middle. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to the commercials free podcast and the commercials.tv and the magic of iTunes. And you bring up an excellent point. Now, one guy who we both respect, we both like equally. Yes, we both respect we'll and, and enjoy know their music. E- equal amounts about 
this one. Absolutely. And it's probably because we grew up on Long Island and his music was, at least in our part of the world, almost like a religion for people. And mandatory to listen to and be yes. familiar with. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it's sort of borrowing a joke from Wayne's World, but when you grow up on Long Island, you are given a copy You're of issued, Piano Man yeah, when you turn 13. Exactly. And, uh, of course, we're talking about Billy Joel. Billy Joel. And Billy Joel, even though he still does perform, he decided that at some point, I have outlived my usefulness as a songwriter for popular Very music. Very unique thing to do. And all the power in the world to him. Right. And as a result, we're still judging his previous work. And, exactly. You know, he started to tail off quite a bit, you know, with uh, River of Dreams and, and, you know, even Stormfront has its kind of like rockiness to it. Yeah. But he decided, you know what, I made my music and I'm kind of done with that stuff. And I think it's great because now we can look back on some of his amazing work that That's was right. done That's right. earlier in his career. And Ken and I both have sort of like a encyclopedic knowledge of if Billy Joel's yes. work. And, and we're such big fans of it uh, that we decided to do something incredibly special. Very special. Uh, we took one of our favorite Billy Joel songs. Absolutely. Which is Dave... What's one of our favorite Billy Joel songs? I'll, you could, I mean, I'll give you a list of songs. We've got it. They're, they're pretty much we love them all. Yeah, but but no, there's certain songs that are like uh, like iconic Billy Joel songs that if you're a fan, you know exactly backwards and forwards like Vienna or exactly. uh, or scenes from an Italian, Italian restaurant, restaurant or Pressure or Pressure or, 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 uh, or uh, uh, Allentown. Allentown's another yeah, one. Yeah. But there's one song that we decided to take a special look at, and. Um, this See, also ties it. in to our fun with Google Voice. Oh, you mentioned it. I think you said it. Say it one more time. Google Voice. It's a hopper and a chopper and a one, two, three. It's Google Voice for you and me. Yes, it's uh, probably the uh, segment on the show that, that that I enjoy most. And it's the only thing holding this whole damn thing together. It's the fun with Google Voice Yes, it's segment what's keeping us uh, in our... From uh, being banned from iTunes. In DAC, exactly right. Yes. It's it's what's keeping us uh, headed straight for the middle. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's fun with Google Voice. Ken, what's, what's Google Voice? Google Voice is a free service offered by the good folks over at Google Incorporated. If you have a Gmail account, you can sign up for Google Voice. What they do is they give you a phone number. People can call you at that phone number. They can text you at that phone number. They can Those messages can then be forwarded to your email and stuff like that, and your, your actual cell phone. And if someone leaves you a voicemail, it will transcribe it into text for you. So you can discreetly read it in an email or in text format on a mobile device. However, where the hilarity lies is within its own horrible ability to transcribe the human voice into intelligible words. And that's what we exploit here on the commercials. And uh, well said, Ken, by the way, we do have a voicemail number for you to call. 347-829-PUNK or 347-829-7865 if you are alphabetically challenged. That number, by the way, we do not pick that number up. Don't think we're going to answer. No. So we encourage you to call up, leave us some voicemail messages, and and we'll have fun with what you say. But every once in a while, and, and lately, one, one thing we've liked to do is just see what happens when we put different kinds of stuff through the Google Voice engine. And this time, we decided to take one of our favorite Billy Joel songs. That's right. It's this little song called Honesty. And see what happens when you take those lyrics 
of that beautiful song and, and, and see how Google Voice interprets it. That's right. Uh, if you want, uh, uh, we're going to put some links on the website. So if uh, you're listening to this on the website now, all you got to do is click the links and you can see the lyrics to the uh, song. Um, but you probably, you know, have, there's plenty of places to find this song. Yes. And, um, well, I, I guess we did our homage to honesty. By running the lyrics through Google Voice and then saying them exactly the way Google Voice translates them. And in our best Billy Joel uh, performance. So this is the commercials doing honesty as written by Google Voice. If you search for tennis, it is hard to find. You can handle what do you need to look at. But if you look for truth unless you might just will be blinded It always seems to be so hard I think you have a blessed be As such a long only why I everyone is so want to rule well is we have a heart and mostly what I need from you I can always find someone to say they see what I if I want my hat on my sleeve but I some pretty face to tell me pretty my life only one if someone could please honestly so I can only warn everyone is so like Until the bitter end Anyone can conforming With promises again I know Tell me that way up tonight Because you're the one that I defended client God, it's PSI 
one is so I can roll. Heart is and I believe you have a heart that mostly white I need from you. Beautiful song. Absolutely. That was the commercial singers with their version <laughs> the of Billy Joel's. The commercial's version of yes. Honesty, uh, Billy Joel's. From Fun with Google classic. Voice. Yes. Uh, now, a lot of things I like about this is he makes a reference to one of his other songs in it. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, it, 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 he says, you know, I don't want some pretty face to tell me pretty lies. Mm-hmm. He says, but I want some pretty face to tell me, period. Pretty my life. Oh, so good he catch. wants a pretty girl to say, "You know, talking my life. That's pretty." Yeah, that's that's exact. I, you know, I didn't even catch that, but that's a good one. But there's so many nice little things that he did put in here. Apparently, right. according to Google Voice, like I just psi, and it it's twice. Yes, it, he says in the first chorus, you know, honestly, so I can only ward. Everyone <laughs> is so like throw. <laughs> And then he says, I just PSI, like mm-hmm. pounds per square inch. Yes. But yes. then in the last chorus, instead of starting with honesty, <laughs> first of all, he starts with, God, it's PSI. <laughs> and I don't know if you looked this up or not yet, because I know we wanted to look it oh, up. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm going to look makes, it up when you say this. It, it apparently, we've never heard this word. Me and Dave are big word freaks. We, we like vocabulary and we like to be no dorky specific. Junior etymologists, if yes, you will. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's a very good way to put it. Yeah. And, um, you know, he says, God, it's PSI. Shalom, rorted. Everyone is so I can road. R-O-A-D. <laughs> but then you, you think he's going to say honesty again, but he says, hardesty. He says, Hardesty, hardesty, hardesty. Like a, that. That's not the hardest, but it's hardesty. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I've been able to uh, uh, glean from uh, page one of the Google result, results is that hardesty is a is a last name. So, like, okay. like there's a there's a law firm, and we'll do some shout outs here to uh, Hardesty and Hanover, um, or the official Brandon Hardesty website. Okay. Uh, Brendan Hardesty uh, is uh, now. What is what is Miriam? Miriam. What does Miriam Webster have to say? Uh, we're going to look at that but, about uh, it because I mean, it, it, Hardesty. I want to know whether or not it is indeed a lonely word. All right. That's I mean, true. I think it's a lonely word because we've never heard of it. So it must be really, really, really lonely right now. That is kind of sad to think about, but we're going to check with our friends at Merriam-Webster, in fact, right now. And I like the racist statement he makes after Hardesty. He says, and well, first of all, this is just weird. Hardesty, and I believe you have a heart. Yeah, I believe you have a heart. (laughs) That's that's kind of an insult. It's like, I believe you have a heart. I mean, at least give this TBD. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) To be determined. Uh, but it's like a complete sentence that's, and I believe you have a heart that mostly white <laughs> I need from you. Yeah. If you have anything other than a white heart, um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want it. So, uh, Brandon, okay. I think pretty much I've, I found out that, uh, really Billy Joel is talking about a guy named Brandon Hardesty. <laughs> 
Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, H-A-R-D-E-S-T-Y, BrandonHardesty.com. Brandon Hardesty is Wall Street Journal comedy pick. Yeah, Billy the Joel. Wall Street Journal is a great, great source for where to go to find good comedy. Well, yeah. Well, actually, variety. It's like the Farmer's Almanac telling you where to get prostitutes. Oh, but no, I will say this. He's gotten some write-ups in, uh, in, in Variety and USA Today. So. Of course, Mr. Hardesty, I am just kidding. Yes, because sure you have you're been very proven talented. to be... Uh, yeah. <clears throat> ahead of us in well, the Well, you've been uh, proven to be a lonely word, word. yeah. Yes. Uh, By the way, did Merriam-Webster have a... Uh, absolutely nothing. So, okay, hardesty is not a word. Well, look where we went with this first act. We started with farm <laughs> fresh poo, an ounce of it, and we moved on to to a very unfunny but serious and in-depthful uh, analysis of contemporary, you know, uh, music people we used to worship. And Indeed. Then, uh, we landed on Hardesty. You know what that's? Uh, you know what that is? What's that? That's making farm fresh chicken salad at a farm <laughs> fresh. <laughs> you know that's not nearly as funny. No, I kind of thought it was funny in my head, but it didn't quite live up to its uh, because- advanced billing, did it? No, it didn't live up to its advanced billing, and uh, I d- ignore that pause there. That'll 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 require some editing. <laughs> that, I think it might. That little bit of dead air that you could drive a truck through. <sighs> the theme to dead air by Dave. Did I ever tell you how easy it is to be George Winston? No, if you're no. Not, in fact, that was a good segue if, if because you, we if, did have a moment there where we needed to fill, fill in desperately, in. and this Dave's would be that like, time. Help me! I'm having technical issues. I'm having a little bit of a panic attack. See, here's the thing. I need I, to call <laughs> my psychiatrist and just have a little session on the phone. Sometimes when it happens, she only charges me $15. She's very nice. She listens well. And since her, I have stopped throwing my hair dryers. That's a very accurate description right there. Um, but I'll tell you why that was funny. And, and this will be a little bit like a looking behind the curtain. The little, like the like the great and powerful Oz behind the curtain right. said, ignore the man behind the curtain. Right. All right. So we had a moment there where we were going to throw it to the commercial. Yeah. And uh, we had played some music and we got some new music that we're going to be sharing with you during the breaks to the show. And uh, I, I started it and was ready to throw it to the commercial. And evidently we had some technical problems with playing that song. Yeah. However, it's so... Uh, it, it's it's so off the beaten path in terms of its construct that it was hard to notice at first. It was hard to tell whether or not we were having technical problems. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> so quick, do your George Winston quick thing. For anyone that doesn't know George Winston, you've got to know him. He's like a Wyndham Hill pianist that plays what I consider garbage you can make up as you go along and makes millions of dollars selling. That's right. If you're listening, George Winston, I hate you. And to all the George Win- Winston fans out there, fuck you. Wow. Don't listen to us anymore. We don't want you. Wow. So what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is George Winston is such a lonely word. He is, everything he does is so untrue in the sense that he really puts out, he has one like called fall, winter, <laughs> summer, a snowscape. And I swear the man is like, uh, throws, throws de- plays the piano for like, you know, 10 hours straight, just making shit up as he goes along. Sure. 
leaves the studio. Unlike this Before show. he leaves, leaves the studio, he's like, all right, cut that into pieces, make it a track. What should we call it? I don't know. Fall. <laughs> the next one will be C. That'll make it easy. I don't have to think. So this is my George Winston impression. And we we'll go. call this uh, February. Actually, I'm going to call this Sun. George Winston. Hey. I just, and you know what? I didn't plan any of that. No, that was I made it up as I went along. George Winston is an asshole. Wow. Well, put put George Winston right up there with Chumbawamba for Ken. <sighs> the combination of both George Winston and Chumbawamba might collectively destroy me from the inside out. Well, hopefully Ken will make it to the next uh, segment when we will have actor Ed Lane of the upcoming sold-out show, Two Gentlemen of Lebowski. We're going to talk to him all about that. It's going to be fun, folks. You are listening to the Commercials Free Podcast on the Commercials.tv and the Magic of iTunes. Ken, take us out. Stick around and ounce of farm fresh poo. Well, Ken, I've got some great news for you. What's that? Well, we've made it really easy for somebody to be a sponsor of the Commercials Free Podcast. What do they have to do? All they have to do is visit us at thecommercials.tv, click on the send us an email link, and just tell us what you want to do. We'll produce the commercial for you, or we'll use your pre-produced commercial on the air. Only a big corporation like Microsoft would sponsor us, right? No. Lots of small companies are eligible, too. We're that affordable. You're kidding me. I don't kid you. That's so affordable, I think even I can do it. And I haven't even told you the number. What is the number? But if you feel like advertising and you're not stupid, email us at info at thecommercials.tv. One of our hundreds and hundreds of representatives will get back to you right away, i.e. me and Dave at home in our underwear. Or not. Mostly not at all. Mostly not, yeah. Free podcast, the commercials.tv, and the magic of iTunes. I heard some music there, Ken, and, and guess what? Oh, I can guess what. It's uh, time for our podcast to podcast segment. Now, the rules of this are very simple, Ken. What are they? They are, well, number one, you can be uh, involved in a podcast yourself. Uh-huh. Or, yes. Dave. Uh, or you, can, you can actually have and run a podcast, or C, uh, have heard of a podcast, or C, have never experienced a podcast at all. Those know. are the criteria for the people we have on this show. and So uh, there is no criteria whatsoever. None whatsoever. And You what can we, be anybody. Yeah, but we, we like to couch it in a way that makes it seem like it's a real segment. Exactly. That's how we do things. That's now, this right. week, we are honored because uh, if you're here in New York City, you may already have heard of this, but uh, if you are not in New York City, you should know about it. Uh, it is probably the hottest ticket in town. You can have your cats. You can have your... 
uh, Phantoms of the Operas and such. <laughs> but what we have is a guy who is uh, one of the stars of a show coming up uh, off-Broadway, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's called The Two Gentlemen of Lebowski. And uh, on the phone with us is a guy who I've known for a while. He's a really cool guy, and he'll be playing said Lebowski. Mr. Ed Lane, or Ed Sugar Lane, I should say. Ed, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, we're, we're excited for you. I mean, this is a, this is a pretty cool thing. Now, uh, let me, let me uh, just say that, that, that we've sort of mentioned that this is a Shakespeare meets Lebowski thing, but I, I want to hear it straight from your mouth. We want to hear exactly what it, what it entails. Exactly what it is. Yes. Yeah. Is okay. It, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes of it um, because I've had too many Caucasians already. So uh, <laughs> this, this is what it is. This is what it is. Uh, the Coen Brothers wrote a fantastic film called The Big Lebowski. Uh, a man by the name of Adam Bertacci uh, took this said screenplay and wrote it line to line in iambic pentameter and in prose and made a Shakespearean play, word for word, scene for scene, to The Big Lebowski. Wow. Uh, adapted it to the stage um, and put it on the internet and said, hey, listen, everybody, this is what I have. This is what we're doing. Um, does anybody think that this is cool? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, um, he put it on a... Um, it's a community site called uh, Face, uh, uh, Facebook. We may have heard of it, yes. We might have heard of that. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of it. Uh, he put it on, and within like 72 hours, had 15,000 fans. That's oh, awesome. I can imagine. What an incredible idea. Yeah, the, the people went absolutely fucking ballistic over the idea. People across the country from, you know, Seattle to Chicago to Houston to New York, um, over in London, in Ireland... People were like, please, 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 can we do the show? And this guy said, hey, you can do the show. I don't give a shit. If you make money, give me some money, maybe if you sort of can, but I'd rather have the art thrown out there. My That's amazing. Yeah, so subsequently what happened was uh, there's a, a theater company called DM Theatrics, and you can, you can Google it at www.dm-theatrics.com. Um, and they said, you know what? First it's we have the first world premiere of, of the show. Good for them because the response has been amazing. The, what's that? The, so far, the response has been amazing just based on how much interest you guys have gotten. Yeah, they went on to, they went on to Smart Ticks just to see. Went on to Smart Ticks, um, and within, I believe it was 48 hours, all... Three weekends, four performances per weekend at a hundred seat house, completely, absolutely, one hundred percent sold out. Wow, it's incredible. I mean, that I, is so cool. Being, being, being myself have. Uh, being that I have had my own experience trying to be in theater at different times and in different situations, the idea of a sellout in and of itself is pretty amazing. You know, that just makes you feel like a million bucks. But the entire run being sold out ahead of time. This far in advance is just ridiculously amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you know, listen. Anybody who's a, who's a New York actor has done a show a for free. Yeah. Has had their ass handed to them. 
has had major late nights and has played to three or four people. Exactly. This, this is essentially, and this is what I tell people because my parents don't understand, so I try to explain to them, it's like a trekking convention or it's like a Star Wars convention. Yes. People are going to come in full regalia to the show <laughs> and scream lines at us while we're trying to do the show. People are going to be lined up dressed as like Creedence Clearwater Revival tapes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> dressed up as the dude and they're going to be dressed up as Walter and they're all going, and I know for a fact that the whole entire theater every single night is going to smell like college. Yeah, right. Uh, quote unquote. College. Yeah, there's gonna be guys bringing white Russians into the theater. I'm sure. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. People are gonna be. I mean, and and our you know our director has already been has already said. You know, it's a carnival as well as a theater piece. So so it's. I mean, it's it's a huge event. Wow. And and to keep in mind, if uh, you don't know already, uh, the Crane Theater is where this is going to be happening in New York City, and it's not opening until March 18th. That is a solid... Now, when did you guys put the tickets on sale? Um, I think it was three, three or four weeks ago. So two, like almost two months in advance, you guys have had zero tickets available. So we're not even helping you promote something that's that's available to the public. We're just thrilled that there's... It's Such like, a cool thing going yeah, on. Yeah, it's like we're 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 showing a phenomenon in it in progress. Yes, and we, we're hopeful on our end that you guys not only uh, just kick major ass out there on stage, but also you guys end up having a nice long off Broadway or even Broadway run, and then Ken and I can take credit for it. Exactly. Yes, that's where we're at. And that's, say that you didn't hear about it until you heard about it here, baby. That's right. So. <laughs> Um, given given the nature of this, uh, and 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 I personally have been following you on Facebook, and and you're you're obviously very very excited about it, which is very cool. And um, by the way, if you want to find Ed on Facebook, look for the name Ed Sugar Lane, which I think is hilarious. That's easy. Yeah. Why sugar? Can, why why sugar, Ed? Good idea. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, but but you have been saying that your the rehearsals in, themselves have been a lot of fun. Tell tell us about that a little bit. Uh, um, the cat. Well, it, 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 it's astounding because what we're doing is the whole entire. I've gone into a rehearsal process where it's very organic and everybody sort of kind of starts to get off book and we start to do the blocking and we start to do the movement and everybody sort of feels everything out. Bullshit. <laughs> this is like Vietnam, man. We ran into the theater. Everybody's off book. Every, the whole entire goddamn show was blocked within four days. Dear and we're God. just running the hell out of it. Wow. Wow. Now, the director... But, 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 but the, reason that, the reason that we're doing this is because we're engaging in sort of a... We're, we're really... We know that the people in the audience are going to be a little bit stoned. Let's <laughs> cut to the chase. Yeah. yeah. A little bit drunk. You know, they're going to be a little rowdy, and we want to come out, and we just want to, you know, fuck their face as soon as we get out of there. It's like, yeah, That's there you freaking go. awesome. That is amazing. Now, the director, and, and, and 
Yeah, maybe you can just help us out with the pronunciation of his name, Mr. Frank. Swillick. Swillick. Yeah. Uh, it's an interestingly spelled name, C-W-I-K-L-I-K. Um, what what is he bringing to the table for you guys? He is a, well, I mean, he is a monster. I have never worked with a director like that before. Because he really, I mean, he comes in and he knows that we're going into a monster show. So he's, so essentially, we come in, we have to do this, we're doing this fast, we're trying to stay um, as true to the text as possible. Mm. Because it is Shakespeare. Right. Um, you know, uh, um, uh, Mr. Patachi really, really took a lot of time and a lot of effort to, to, to write this in prose and to write the iambic pentameter. And we want to stay true to that. We don't want to, you know, just go out there and go, ha, 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 this is the big Lebowski, let's have a great time. We really want to stay true, really want to push forward, we really want to be strong with it. And he is a drill sergeant. Hmm. He's, 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 he's really one of the best directors I've worked with because he, he's always on point, always ready to go, always moving forward, and always, the one, one of the best things about him is everything is always positive. Nice. You know, I, you know, I have some directors who are like, well, I don't know, maybe it would be better if we bullshit. Let's move forward, let's go for the funny, let's do this, bam. Nice. Let me ask you this, Ed. Uh, two, the two gentlemen of Verona are is one of Shakespeare's more stranger comedies. Uh, a little more obscure uh, than your say Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a tragedy. But you know, oh, you know what I meant. Yeah. Well, other comedies that are more I, famous, I which I can't even think of right now, uh, which is right. so stupid. But I actually like Gentlemen of Verona because it is very strange, and there are very funny parts. But it is a strange in it is very strange in the sense that. Uh, there's some strange kind of very quick wrap-ups in the story. I'm curious, just to get to the fucking point already, <laughs> um, how, how similar is Two Gentlemen of Lebowski uh, to the, the, two, uh, the Two Gentlemen of Verona story-wise? Interesting. So, so if if a, a bardolatrist happened to <laughs> want to come to see this, thinking that it's going to in some way resemble two gentlemen of Verona, they should not come. Well, they can't get tickets anyway. <laughs> it's not that they should not come. It's just that they're going to come. They're going to they're going to probably get stoned and they're just going to forget. A lot of, well, by the time the, the contact Fair high enough. sets in, they're going to forget Fair all enough. about the bardolatry. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say I'll, that good answer. I'll buy that. Before you got involved in this, how 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 familiar were you with either a Shakespeare and I assume you have plenty of knowledge about, but how, how big a fan were you of uh, the Big Lebowski? Um I had I actually had production guys in because I I went to Rutgers uh, did my master's training I, I, acting so on and so forth I actually had my production guys uh, put it on a loop ah. continually perpetually playing in my home ah nice you're kidding me go to guy in the cast wow Sweet. wow yeah yeah so so yeah I, when I auditioned for it I actually said to Frank I said listen. Uh, you, you, you may not you may not cast me here, or you, <laughs> I may not be right for anything. But 
if there's peanuts to be sold, I'll do it. Nice. That's incredible. So it is indeed for you a labor of intense love. You have no idea. Oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. perfect. You know, when you have it, it's rare when you get a chance to really dig your teeth in on something that somebody else did that you didn't create yourself, but you are so. Uh, so much of a so much a fan of and 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 have such an emotional attachment to that you you get to uh, you know that you, you get to take part in something that you love that much. Usually, it's stuff that you know. If I'm if I'm that emotionally invested, it's almost like something I have to create it. But you get to kind of jump in and, and live in a world that you've enjoyed for so long. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty it's pretty astounding. I wake up every day and I'm like, holy. I can't believe I get to do this today. That's yeah. Awesome. It's like if you're a Trekkie, it's like if you're a Trekkie getting to do like this a stage play of Star Trek: The Next Generation or something, there you go. There and you getting go. to play Data or one of the favorite. You know, it's like it's a cultish thing. It's a nerdy, geeky, awesome, fun thing. You know, totally. Now, now, that people who have lives can't understand. <laughs> Ken's a big Star Trek guy. Every fiber of my being not to spank one out forever. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's a million-dollar question. Have you been contacted by the Coen brothers or by Jeff Bridges or by John Goodman? That's, that's, as we all know, I'm just an actor. Ah. So, that's the production side. Oh. Oh, But but are they aware that it's going on? I guess that's maybe the the more direct question. Do they know what's happening? Do they care? (laughs) I know that Jeff Bridges has read it and wants to come and see it. Beautiful. It's a fact, because he's actually contacted the production company, so... That's, that's got to be Amazing. the greatest thing ever. Um, to have the dude in the goddamn audience? You're Are you kidding. out of your fucking skull? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, now, now the question is whether or not you could spot him among all the other dudes that'll be there. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he'd be willing to do a cameo during one of the performances. <laughs> Oh well, we know you. We know you're the daddy of a of a very special little girl, and and we don't want to keep you. But Ed, thanks so much for joining us. That is Ed Sugar Lane. It has been an absolute pleasure. And if you want updates, and if you'd like to know what's the what, I I, I would love to do this again with you. You bet, awesome. anytime, Ed. Thanks so much, Ed Lane. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. How nice meeting you. you. Uh, that is Ed Sugar Lane. He is uh, the guy playing Lebowski in the production of Two Gentlemen of Lebowski, opening at the Crane Theater on March 18th here in New York City. And uh, we'd say, uh, we'd, we'd tell you where to find information about where to get tickets, but you know what? Not a ticket to be found. That's right. You can't get they them. They just do not happen. If you want to check it out on the website anyway, or check out their website anyway, you go to www.dm-theatrics.com. That's D as in Dave T. Koenig M. That's right, of course. Dot theatrics.com. You will not find a K for Ken in the whole thing at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's on. It's on. Anyway, thanks again to Ed Lane. And when we come back, Ken, get, what are we doing? What are we doing when we come back? We're going to do some stuff. We're going to do some things. But right now, I want to smoke a cigarette very badly. So go to commercials so I have time. You are listening to the commercials free podcast on the commercials.tv and the magic of iTunes. We will be right back. Ken, go have a smoke. <laughs> hey Ken, what are you chewing? Ha, uh, you won't believe what I'm chewing. Come on, tell me. Alright, I'll tell you. They're called chitlets. Chitlets? Chitlets. They're small, delicious, rainbow colored. 
and strange melon. Sounds to me like they're a combination of chiclets and chitlins. Not really, Dave. They're an organic material, presumably from outer space. Once this material came in contact with the Earth's upper ionosphere, as it's called, it changed into another compound known as xenium. Then, once entering the Earth's atmosphere and landing on the bottom of the ocean floor, oil diggers inadvertently ingested this material, killing them all instantly. Why would I eat this, you ask, Dave? Why would you eat this at all, Ken? The government took out the poison part and left just the delicious part. I love the government. Don't you? If you don't want to hear commercials like this anymore on the Commercials Free Podcast, and you want to make your own commercial or have us make the commercial for you, just send an email to info at thecommercials.tv and we will work with you. It's as easy as typing our email address into your browser or composition email window, typing a subject, and then typing a message, and then clicking send. Sounds easy to me, Ken. It is, Dave. Why don't you give me a question, baby? I will give you the answer to Why don't you give me what I want? Ask me a question. Well, Ken, it's that time of the show. It can only mean one thing and one thing alone. That's indeed correct. Here on the Commercials Free Podcast, commercials.tv and the Magic of iTunes. It's time for... No, no, no. No, no, go right ahead. Step away. It's time for Ask the Experts. Ask the Experts is the segment where we open up to you and answer questions that you have either sent us in an email, info at thecommercials.tv, we show you the insides of us, kind of slimy and squishy. You can also send us uh, or leave us a voicemail, 347-829-PUNK, 347-829-7865. That's how it goes. find us uh, online at Facebook and in other places, but uh, our question this week involves uh, another venue that you can uh, search us out at, if that yes. makes any sense. So Ken, why don't you read the uh, question for this week? question is, what the hell happened to the commercial's Twitter account? Well, if you listened last week, Ken, um, that's a general question that we've gotten from several people. Uh, if you listened last week, we, we were suspended. We were suspended for how many days, Dave? We were suspended for seven days by the good folks at the Twitter Corporation. Seven days is all they wrote, a kind of ultimatum note. Indeed, that is true. We were uh, kind of kicked off the air, yeah. uh, so to speak, at Twitter. And, uh, well, we were kind of ticked off about it. We Real spouted pissed. off last week. We spouted off at the bad people of Google. Yeah, they are bad people. Uh, but even though we're talking about Twitter. Twitter. Uh, yeah, let's not get into it. Uh, no, we, we, uh, we, like the, we like the Google people. Uh, the Twitter people, however, ticked us off last week. And, yeah. um, but they made good. We're back. Yes, we actually found out today that we are back. You can find us at twitter.com slash thecommercials. We have uh, quite a few people who have followed us, and we'd like so more. Uh, by all means, we want to give a quick shout out to somebody who is a regular listener of the show and has been very supportive in our attempts to get back on to Twitter. Mm-hmm. I want to say hello to Nerdy Lation. Uh, Nerdy Lation is a big uh, fan. We like him. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's uh, been as supportive as they come. Yes. Uh, so find us on, on Twitter and then find him. Uh, and uh, he, good dude. And yes. uh, speaking of online things, yeah. this is a good week for us also. 
in another way. Yes. Because we found ourselves, uh, and it's, it's like where we get all of our shout-outs underway, I guess, out of the way, I guess. Yeah. But we found ourselves uh, on the front page of the apiary. We were featured as the video of the day. That is absolutely true. The apiary is, if you don't know it, uh, theapiary.org is their website, and they are a blog that covers all things comedy here in mostly the New York area, but also they are uh, you know, aware of what goes on in other markets across the country. And uh, we have some friends over there, and, and, and lo and behold, we are even more indebted to them than just normal friends can be. That's because true. They gave our little uh, our little video a shout out yes, by and that is the, if you haven't seen it, the video is called the candle. Yes, it's a kind of a serious piece for it us. Is. Yeah, it I mean is. it's a departure from our usual um, yeah. fun and games. Yeah, we really get serious. We got very serious, and uh, that because we like to express a different side of our deal. You know, we're not just comedy people. We're not just is. jokers. We're not just we're not just funny men. We're not we here for feelings. your emotional. Uh, Release. Right. We're here. We're here for ourselves. Exactly <laughs> correct, Ken. We you just are happen to be fucking ourselves. listening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we can't do too much in this world that, that you know, is not self-serving. That's we, true. You know, so let's just, just boil it down and say, uh, yeah. you know. Well, we went before the great Twitter council. This is how it all worked. Yes. And they, um, they were on very high... Um, it was an all white room, mm-hmm. and there were like kind of glowing orbs event, uh, above each council member. Yeah, and they were on pedestals like twenty feet high. Yes, and we entered through these big swinging marble doors. Yeah, and, and there were it guards a lot. Yeah, it echoed yeah. a lot, and there were guards holding staff weapons, mm-hmm. like uh, beef eaters. Yeah, uh, over exactly. in London. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, it was in the, I was scared. I mean, we had to dress nicely. Very intimidating. Yeah, we yeah. actually had to wear collars. I mean, yes. like you know how not like a normal shirt and tie. We had to wear actually like stiff collars that were yeah. detached from the shirts. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. A, like it's a it's a dress code that these people. Yeah, and it was very odd, and and so we walked in, and you know, we didn't know what to say. And a very old man, I mean, mm-hmm. he must have looked like he was approaching 100. Yes. He stood up and he said, And now in session is the Twitter council. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and they and had they, they say, their whole thing down. I mean, there's a whole thing whole, down. It's, a, it's like a ceremony right. to just go in front of this panel to request yeah. reinstatement. Yeah. And uh, he says, Before us are the two alleged scoundrels who are going to be brought forth in which to be judged whether or not they will be allowed on Twitter ever again. Right, because we and faced a permanent ban. And me and Dave quivered. Yeah, we I were mean, shaking we were our shaking. boots. Yeah. And we said, we're sorry for whatever we may have done. Mm-hmm. And they said, this council will adjourn for seven days. Yeah. At yeah. the end of this, so dude, we were without food or water for quite some time. We actually, in the, in the name of getting ourselves back on Twitter, yeah. we had to deal with solitary confinement right. and deprivation. And deprivation. So yeah. no food, no water, and solitary. There wasn't even light in the room. No. Like this like no four sunlight. by four concrete room. Right, right. And, and we, they, yeah. we were only allowed bars of food. Which were yeah. basically concentrated protein, just enough to keep us alive. Yeah, it's like they took a sandwich, yeah. got rid of the bread, and crushed the meat into these hard squares. Squares. Yeah, yeah. I mean, almost was, like bars of soap, but it's food. And I mean, like soap would have been easier to chew. I don't know if these. I don't know if you had the same ones I did, but they were 
the hardest things in the world and they to freaking tasted chew. awful but we were so hungry we had no choice when you have no other choice you right. will eat what's given to you it's exactly. like the stockholm syndrome no it's 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 total pow all the way yeah now when finally the seventh day came you mm-hmm. and me were like had beards full on beards mm-hmm. we smelled horrible we yeah, were it was bad. cranky mm-hmm. you know and um and we didn't know our fate at that point exactly yeah and two guards came to the our, 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 the place where we were kept and they disabled the force field that was holding us in there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they said come hither the council wishes to address you right right. and we're and like they, oh at yeah. least something now like yeah. you know now I don't know about and, and, and I remember looking at you and you were kind of looking the way I felt like they were dressed in white and it was a very stark look to them when we went right. to there the first day and that was the first day right after all that light deprivation uh huh they were like, I, it was like they were glowing. Yeah, it hurt to yeah. look at them. I mean, it and it made it so it made me feel small. Right. It made me feel even smaller. Right. Because I, I couldn't even. It was like you know you can't look at the face of God. Because exactly. Burn exactly. Your retinas. It was. It was, it was it like was. forced reverence. Yes. And yes. What I th- found was really creepy. Was like when the count we were there before the council got there. The count, the, all the council members floated through the air. I don't know how they did their that. pedestals. I, I still don't know. I thought maybe there were cables. I didn't see any. Anything. Whatever. However, well, you know, and maybe that's their trick is that they get that deprivation thing and then bring you into this really bright room so you can't see fine detail. Oh, maybe you it know, was it's, a it's wired like trick. Washington D.C. If you've and you've been there, yeah. It, you go down there and the buildings are white. As can be, and the 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 whole place is just enormous. I mean, yeah. it makes you feel dwarfed when you go in there. Yeah, and that was intentional on part of the on the part of the designers of Washington right. D.C. Exactly. because they wanted foreign dignitaries who came in to be like, "Oh my God, right? What are we getting ourselves into? This is like the Acropolis, right?" So I think that's what they were going for. Like by design, they they, yeah. they keep you on your toes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they they finally the leader finally said, "You know, we have joined our minds for this past seven days, and we decided you may get your Twitter account back." Now I didn't think I was going to feel the level of euphoria yeah. that I felt. Yeah. But having been reinstated on Twitter has reinvigorated my life yeah. in a way I never quite realized. And at this point, I am willing to kill or die for Twitter. Me too. I am never going to stray from the path ever again. No. In fact, I wrote a hymn mm-hmm. for the Twitter council. Yes. Let's, um, yeah. or, or the God that is that we believe in as to be the all-powerful Twitter. Right. Which, inter- interestingly enough, uh, the God of Twitter uh, is, is uh, genderfied as a female. Yeah. So this... In all I, her glory. Yes. So this is Ken's hymn for her. I don't know if the Twitter appreciates wordplay, but I hope she does or we're forsaken. We went wrong, very wrong, but your grace and mercy, you set us free. We followed... We led, we used some 
technology to circumvent the system and it was wrong, you're so very wrong. Oh, we give praise unto you, our God, Twitter, listen to us in prayer. Our arms are raised and we will slaughter anyone. Praise Twitter. All praise to the Twitter. That about does it for the, another edition of the commercials. Free podcast here at commercials.tv and the magic of iTunes. We want to thank. Go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. You no, no, go. want to thank Ed Sugar Lane for joining us here. Uh, we want to thank uh, the folks at Twitter. I think it's important for us to always thank them. We must give them their proper twittation. That is indeed true. I think I have to read. I have to like restart the end of this show because I felt like I just like that was just like a disaster in a half. Which part? <laughs> and scene. And scene. Hey. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> just restart the damn thing. I'm restarting the damn thing. Dave's having technical issues and he really doesn't appreciate when I rush him, I push him in a certain way. He gets agitated and he messes himself with poo. <laughs> That about does it for the commercials free podcast. Want to thank Ed Sugar Lane for coming on the show. He'll be in Two Gentlemen of Lebowski at the Crane Theater here in New York City. Want to check them out again? It's www.dm-theatrics.com. Want to thank Billy Joel. Want to thank Sting. We want to thank Hardesty. We want to thank Brandon Hardesty for being a good guy. Thanks to the good people at Twitter for keeping us honest. And allowing us back into your little shindig. We will never stray again. And we want to thank you for listening. And we hope next week you will come back and listen some more. Because you know what? Without you, we're nothing. And we'll never make it to the middle without you. I'm so happy I can't stop crying. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bring it back.